1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close game day in Tampa Sabers and a Lightning tonight you'll catch it here on WGR and of course on MSG and it's an interesting matchup based on the fact that the Sabers definitely still challenged to score while the Lightning are challenged to keep the puck out of the net especially over the last 6 games where they've given up 27 goals so we've seen these two come together twice yep. this year Buffalo has an overtime win Marty and of course, a uh, loss to the Lightning as well. It was a narrow one on home ice. What would one anticipate tonight other than the obvious, which is Uko Pekalukunen likely to be in again for the 17th time in 19 games?
3: Yeah, that's the obvious, and that's a given, right? He's been playing extremely well. Um, look, I, I, the battle again, and we didn't talk yesterday because I was, I was traveling to Tampa for the road crew party, so, and we're on location for tonight's game. Um, but the obvious thing for me against Florida is that, yes, it was a close game. Um, yes, Lukanen probably saved the game from being 7-1 at some point in the second period with how well he played in that period. Uh, but I, I, like, the one thing for me is, okay, the desperation from the last three, four minutes of the game needed to come in at some point. So I would think that that's the number one key to the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning is bring that desperation that you brought into the end of the game against the Florida Panthers and put that on the display right from the get-go and then see where the game goes. But I think that's the biggest challenge for me is that seeing how this team is going to start against the Tampa Bay Lightning as opposed to how the team is going to end the game. Like down a goal, trying to push is one thing. But 0-0 early in the game and having that same – intensity that same attack mode uh type of mentality that's that's where i want it to be
2: you didn't see that against the panthers they had the lead which they didn't have in yeah, the previous game. I, I, I lost it people... i lost
3: it halfway i lost it halfway in the game i think
2: you lost the feed like Bally and tampa
3: Philly or you lost <laughs> the feel for the game I lost the not my feel for the game I lost oh. the Sabers feel for that game and like the, towards the end of the first period and they never got it back in the second until like the third period, in my opinion. So that's kind of like where I felt the, the game went. And I know there was a lot going on. There was, you know, penalties that I didn't think should be called some that were called, whatever, like, we're not going to go and debate the, the officiating in that game. Um, you know, it was done. It's over. That was Tuesday night, but I, I, I want to see that, that jump right. From the get go, the same way, Maybe they had it at the start, but especially the way they finish against Florida.
2: Yeah, I think maybe the reason I'm going sideways or in a different direction than what you're talking about is only because I feel like I've heard this before. So, yeah, you know, it it goes back to, like, the definition of, you know, expecting a different result but doing the same thing, right? Like, you just – so, I don't know. I don't know if this team can throw up a three-spot against a very poor defensive team like Tampa – In the first period, like Tampa's 25th in goals against. The problem is the Sabres are 24th offensively. So it's a, you know, it's a head-on matchup here that uh, we're going to see which, I mean, Vasilevsky's numbers are definitely not what we're used to. This is the first time they're going to see Vasilevsky this year. The previous two games featured Jonas Johansson. Uh, You'd have to go back to Jack Eichel's uh, first season for the only regulation win that Buffalo has Again, against Vasilevsky. Now, they did get a yeah. shoot. Uh, pardon me, an overtime win here against them last year with Labushkin's shorthanded goal. So, Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean... It... And then
3: back in those days, a lot of these years was Brian Elliott, right? Brian yeah. Elliott, the backup for the Tampa Bay Lightning, played a lot against the Sabres this year, two times, Jonas Johansson. But I'll tell you this, like, Tampa against the Philadelphia Flyers, the last game, mm-hmm. even it prompted John Tortorella after the game to say, oh, we got a goal where usually the other guy makes that save, right? Yeah. I think that we're seeing very inconsistent play out of Vasilevsky. And for me, again, maybe that goes back to we'll know in the first 5-10 minutes who, which Vasilevsky they're going to face tonight. A guy that seems to be in control, or a guy that's struggling and maybe be, you know, uh susceptible to giving up maybe a bad one that will put the Sabres into a better place. And and again, it comes back to the attack mentality. If you don't test Vasilevsky in the first 5-10 minutes, how do you know? How do you know how what you got on the other side? You can say he's the best goalie in the league. He's not. He's just not anymore. I know a lot of people in the league, players, coaches, still think Andre Vasilevsky, best goalie in the NHL. I'll tell you this, he's not. And he hasn't been for a few years now. And is, it's like Carey Price for years. People used to say, Carey Price, the best goalie in the NHL. Well, Kerry Price, after his one injury and then his second injury, was was good, but he wasn't the dominating Kerry Price that was when he won MVP. Vasilevsky is good, but he's not as dominating as he has been. Uh, and you have to be able to take advantage of that.
2: Yeah, their defense score certainly doesn't look like it, what it used to either. So no. that that plays into you know what they're dealing with, and obviously Sergeyev, the, the latest significant. You know, high profile injury. Chernak is back in the mix right now, but Flurry's been dealing with a lot. And, uh, you know, you can take your pick with, whether you go Radish, Dahan, Purbix, or Flurry. Like it just doesn't have the cachet that it had in their back to back, you know, cup years. So, And again, this is the natural evolution of winning multiple cups is you have to allocate your money elsewhere. So it just hurts that much more when they're missing someone like Sergeyev because it's almost irreplaceable. And one of the dominoes that many thought, like, if Tampa is going to do something, presumably they're going to add on the blue line. Well, one of those players is now no longer available unless Dallas does something remarkable and trades Chris Tanev <laughs> now that they've acquired him. But no, Tanev goes last night from Calgary to Dallas in a three-team deal that involved New Jersey and picks and retaining money and blah, blah, blah. So at the end of the day, the only thing that matters at the moment is that Dallas has TANF. And
3: they, they were the team that was in the market for a higher-end defenseman. And now they're getting them basically at 25% salary. Because between Calgary and the New Jersey Devils retaining some salary, uh, the Dallas Stars get him at a pretty modest price, uh, which was the only way it was going to happen, uh, considering cap, uh, you know, cap situations with all teams. And but it's isn't it funny that I see Tanev's name being moved to Dallas, and then I see New Jersey Devils, uh, you know, being involved. And I'm thinking, are they talking about Jacob Markstrom? Because is this one I'm doing you a favor? I'm going to retain, but. In a week, when we make a deal for a goaltender, you got to return that favor in a sense that you'll have to retain on Jacob Markstrom because we're going to need that uh, to happen. And, and it would be for two more years. Like every time I hear New Jersey, Calgary, I'm thinking that has to be for a goalie. Now it was just for salary retention in the mm-hmm. 10 of deal, but, um, and it's the first domino. I think that the Calgary Flames, despite the fact that they've had some success, um, that they could still be considered in the chase for a playoff spot. I think they'd be uh, smart to, to continue to think. Okay, the next guy would be Hannafin, Markstrom. Let's go. Like you gotta, you gotta make those moves, and it's gotta happen. And they started a week early with Tana.
2: Yeah, they went the first domino. There were some trades a couple weeks well, ago. The first domino, then and home,
3: and yeah, yeah. There was a lot of your, lot your of dominoes boy, early, but right now it's the, don't forget Monahan. Uh, well, yeah, that was last year. <laughs> huh? Monahan, Sean Monaghan just went to Winnipeg from Montreal, not yes. from Calgary. Yeah, I'm saying Calgary is starting the dominoes, oh, their own internal dominoes.
2: Oh, You're talking about the trade <laughs> deadline dominoes. And yeah, the dominoes I, fell weeks ago. It wasn't the first one yes. last night. Yes.
3: Yeah. But, the, but you're right when you think of the, the dominoes falling early with Calgary because they did make the Zadarov trade earlier, they made the Elias Lindholm trade earlier. Now they do ten of a week before they still have some pieces that they could move, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'm talking about the internal pieces in Calgary, the fact that they're they're still there considered in the race, but they are most likely going to unload all these assets at the deadline.
2: Yeah, and if you're trying to make a game analogy with Calgary, it ain't dominoes. like when the you know what hit the fan when Kachuk wasn't going to stay. And they had to make a trade and they brought in Huberto and they brought in Uyghur. Like that was not dominoes. Like, <laughs> that was not Domino's leading up to i don't Irina. know what that, game what game was, you
3: played i know you <laughs> i,
2: I you, you are the king of gamesmanship here so i i was hoping you would be able to steer us down a proper path
3: you, they probably uh, landed on park place and had very little money to pay for the penalties with two houses in the hotel that's kind of like where it landed
2: that's a good analogy and then <laughs> now monopoly typically doesn't involve converting to canadian dollars but yeah. you know when you factor all of this stuff in yeah it's been a challenging few years and new coach new gm and not to mention what is the future of the franchise and arena plans and the ongoing battles on that front to you know yeah. get everything in position it's not for for the way they were trending and the excitement and everything it's it's been challenging and now i think despite some of these recent transactions like if they if they move off of, let's say Hannafin and what if somebody got like super bold and, and made a play for Kadri?
3: Yeah.
2: I don't know. Would Flames fans be excited that they were able to move off of expensive guys or would they say, why are we doing this? Like we were right there in the mix and now you're punting on us. Like that's no fun.
3: Yeah. you know what? I, I think that's, that's always the million dollar question. And it's, should Calgary go for it now? Because you don't know when you're going to get back to that A. We're close enough, right? Or we're trying to get to the playoffs. So I totally get that. I think if anybody asked for Nazem Kadri and had a legitimate offer for Nazem Kadri, the Flames would have to consider it, right? Because I think if you're moving off from all these UFAs and whatnot. Now, if somebody made a, considerate, uh, a considerable uh, offer on on Jonathan Huberto, they'd have to consider it. They'd have to make the move, right? It's like, okay, it's not well, worth it. That's why it I mentioned
2: Kadri. He's leading the team in scoring. Nobody's taking Huberto. Huber, <laughs> Nobody's taking
3: Huberto, but it, it, who knows? I'm just saying if it was a discussion, you're like, hey, we can throw this guy into a deal, you'd do it, right? I think Calgary is going the other direction, and I know um, it's, it, it never guarantees you success in the future, and we know that in Buffalo, obviously, but I think it's probably the, the better course of action in Calgary for where the organization is at now, which was one of the questions that I got like last night during our road crew party, what are the Sabres going to do at the deadline? Mm -hmm. They need to go for it. I'm like, it's hard to say go for it because in the position that you're in, what are you, what are you going for it now? I asked a lot of people, do you think going for it means preparing for next year, going for it, trading some prospects and some picks and acquiring players that fit into what the Sabres want to do, but it's not just for this year. It's for, next? Or you're talking about rentals, like going it with rentals. So we had a lot of those nice discussions with fans last night at our uh, road crew party. Well, how did they answer that question? Well, uh, one one gentleman was interesting as he was like, well, they should have gone for it last year. And I'm like, yeah, but we're not talking about last year. We're talking about this year. And he goes, yeah, but, and I said, nine site sight it's, it's easier to say that, oh, maybe there could have been a move or two last year say, we're going to acquire a couple of rentals And make that push because they were technically a point, let's say two with tiebreaker away from the playoffs. This year is a different situation. I don't see this year being a rental pool type of situation for the Sabres. More of the, you know, quote unquote, hockey trades that are always hockey trades, but are more for the years to come that this year and more. Right. And I think fans were on that boat. They're like, but they want to see, movement that's the one thing like they say the status quo here saying going into next year with the same pool of players even if you just add one but you've made that that movement towards you know getting better to 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 show that okay we'll we'll trade a prospect we'll trade a pick we'll we'll trade you know whatever just to see that action i think more fans were in favor of that
2: well, if you mention the word rental, do you see it more that Buffalo could provide
3: numerous rentals to other teams? Well, I think numerous rentals would be um, a, a little much, right? Jost, I think there could be Oppozo, a one.
2: Gergensen's pick a defenseman. Yeah. Like I could legitimately see if they choose like five guys moving on at the deadline to be depth for others.
3: I, I could see it happening just because we know the players that we're talking about, but I just don't see that the perception around the National Hockey League is that those players would be good rentals or it would be like adding value to another team. I don't see Tyson Joes being that. I don't see. They love them in Colorado
2: and it wouldn't cost anything. The point is, it's depth for no yeah. cost. I'm not saying that the Sabres are going to haul back here. I'm just saying if you're looking at the roster looking different after the deadline, is that not a more likely scenario that somebody reaches out at the last minute and says, "Hey, yes. we'll give you a seventh for this player," which was yes. the Asplund scenario last year? Like, and whether it changes the landscape, it you know, in the big picture, it certainly might make the Sabers look a little different, and and might add, it might not really change their results it, it
3: probably in the remaining
2: won't. games of the season after the deadline. Like what it does would then create opportunity again for younger guys. Like we saw at the end of last year when Levi came in.
3: Yes. And, And I think that's what we've talked a lot about this year with Kulik and Roseanne and Rusek and, you know, Ryan Johnson getting an opportunity and playing extremely well. And that would open that up, but okay. So for example, Sabres are in Tampa tonight, you know, reports from the morning skate was Eric Johnson's not on the ice. And now you start getting the attention of, National writers and people like Darren Dreger, who's coming on at the bottom of the hour with us here, to say, um, okay, this is not trade related. Frank Soravalli right. posted a tweet says Eric Johnson is ill, and you know the Sabers have been dealing with a flu bug that's hit the locker room. So Eric Johnson is ill. That is not related to the trade or trade speculations or anything like that. And so I'm thinking. I didn't even think about that first off. I didn't think, hey, Eric Johnson's not on the ice this morning. Could he, have been, could he be on the way out? Could he be a player that, you know, will be a rental for a team that needs added depth on their defense, on their blue line for the playoffs? That's not what I thought. I thought, hmm, Eric Johnson, you know, was on the ice against Florida. Uh, the, 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 the two goals, the first two goals, did not play a shift for the rest of the game. Maybe there's an injury. I, and maybe there's an illness, or maybe it's just like, Hey, you need to take a break here and you know, we'll, we'll don't go on the ice. We're not going to worry about it. I didn't think about trade, but that's a player that would be maybe considered a, a, a player that would be moving out if there is an ask and there's a team that need an Eric Johnson type player. But I didn't think about that just because I don't see. And I hate to see it like that, but I don't see a ton of value right now in the Sabres acquiring a seventh round pick for a Tyson Joes. Like, I don't see it. I see exploring other trades. If you get there in a week from now, on Friday next week, if you get there and you're like, okay, we got a seventh rounder for Tyson Jones, let's do it. But I don't think that's the case a week before the deadline. I think you got to look at bigger picture trades than the smaller seventh rounder type. Like what? Well, like looking at uh I mean I don't know where the Casey Mills, that situation is at. And are you are you looking at 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 resigning them and is it gonna go that way or are you looking at maybe making that trade? Um I think that one of the biggest things the Sabres could look at leading into next week's trade deadline is their top end, you know first rounder, second rounder. Um, I'm not talking that well, maybe I am. Uh, Matt Savoy, who's had a fantastic year in the WHL this year. But is Matt Savoy a player that is next year going to have an impact with the Buffalo Sabres, or we're talking four years down the road? We already have Zach Benson that's 18 years old right now that seems to have bypassed all the steps and is playing in the NHL. You have the young prospects in Rochester. Is, is Matt Savoy a player that would just have that immense value that you'd be able to get something really good in return. I don't know if that is the direction that Kevin Adams wants to go, but I would explore all of those situations, or maybe it has been explored and the talks are going on right now, but I, I wouldn't be afraid of saying I'm trading a Matt Savoy, or I'm trading a name first-round pick of the last two, three years. I wouldn't be afraid of that.
2: No, I think from my vantage point, I feel like that's what fans are asking for the most is to move yes. off of some of the depth in the system and acquire something for now. The problem is yeah. you're not going to get that now off of a good team because they're going to be retaining that good for their playoff run this year. So it makes it that much trickier, doesn't it? At this it time does make
3: it year. that much trickier, but there's, there's maybe teams that are not in playoff spot that are looking to go in a different direction. And right. you could say, hey, we'll trade you prospects which will maybe make you better in 5 6 years down the road and we'll acquire somebody that's on your roster that we want to have right now. That's the the yeah, so right now I, in the I'm saying week, I've done that exercise like
2: a million teams. times and look at the non-playoff teams and how many guys do you want on those rosters. That's what I'm <laughs> We seriously. talked about Arizona that's why they're not in the playoffs. Right?
3: Yeah. We talked about Arizona and I'm like, "Okay, I I like a Nick Schmaltz on this team. I really you would might be like the a only Schmaltz one on in Western
2: team. New York or the state the Empire State in its entirety." Oh.
3: Maybe. Maybe, but I mean, it only takes one person to want to do it, and, and that's it's true. the right well, two, person in that position. Two Me GMs. and yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the other person.
2: Yeah. Uh, happy leap but, year day! Happy leap year! Yeah, day. Yeah. By the way, we have a ticket offer because of the date on the calendar. It's twenty nine dollars tickets for Ooh. March home games, excluding the 9th and the thirtieth of March. Visit Sabers slash leap year to get yours now while inventory lasts last okay. night was uh last night was nice uh nice little tribute to r j that uh the yeah. fans were very much in tune with at our road crew event that was the um the first night we've done an event like this where unfortunately r j was uh not with us and um mm-hmm. but he felt like he was with us holy cow it was uh there was there were a lot of people that uh, have come to those events in many, 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 many cities across the country, and a lot of times they were there just to line up and uh, and see the great Rick Jenneret. Now, someone who, among the alumni, kind of filled that role for a while last night was Scotty Bowman, you know? Oh. Like, he had a long, long line of people uh, waiting to meet him, um, but again, we had... Uh, well over 300 people at American social last night. Like it was, uh, it got warm (laughs) late in the day because that that outdoor space uh, uh, became rather heated with uh, the number of Sabre fans there, but a great turnout. Thanks to American social. Thanks mostly to our community relations crew uh, for putting it on once again, but we had a really cool list of alumni, a lot of goalies to keep you company, Marty. And um, a lot of goalies. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was.
3: We see a picture of Dave Anderchuk here. I didn't, is he, is he
2: royalty in this town
3: or what? Oh Oh my God. He is definitely royalty. (laughs) Like Dave Anderchuk is, you know, obviously Stanley cup winner first Stanley cup in Tampa's uh, history. um, And people love him. I didn't get to spend much time with him. um, But I did talk to Dwayne Rollison, rolling the goalie quite a bit. I talked to Poopa a little bit. Got to talk with Mr. Bowman as he was leaving uh, late. He stayed pretty late, which was uh, incredible. Telling stories, that was fun. Uh, well, Danny Gare, we see him on the picture right now. But I uh, got to talk with Danny Gare and so many of uh, of the people that he's known for years. You know, either Sabers, you know, sponsors or partners or fans, and it was it was so good to to chat with with all of them uh really really enjoyed our uh our evening together last night uh and and man nothing better than being in Tampa late February when it was that beautiful outside we're on a patio we don't have to be inside and you know all jammed into a place it was spread out it was awesome um yeah a lot a lot of passionate Sabres fans um that live here in Florida Tampa and, you know, whatever area around here and a lot of people that have come from Buffalo to uh, to join in. That was great.
2: Dan and Razor, of course, and uh, some other fellow alum like uh, John Tucker. It's funny how many guys yeah. were there last night that were Sabres and Lightning players in their career or Sabres and Lightning employees in their career like Danny Gare. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yeah. that was pretty cool. Steve Dykster was there. Um, Steve. I was reminded by photographer Bill Whippert that uh, that Steve's ultimate trivia claim to fame is that uh, he's the only player in NHL history. I don't want to fact check this. I just want to choose to believe it. He's the only one that played with Perot, Gretzky, and Lemieux as his career took him from Buffalo to Edmonton to Pittsburgh. And I think that's wow. like, oh, my gosh. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's I mean, three pretty, 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 pretty special players that yeah. you get to play with. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was super uh, but cool. uh, no, it was uh, definitely a, a special night. A lot of those fans are going to be uh, making the trip over to the arena tonight here to watch the Sabers play the Tampa Bay Lightning, which was awesome. Um, I even ran into some people that didn't even know this was going on that are in Tampa Bay, and are, you know, I ran into. I'm one of the UPS guy I used to go to ship my stuff all the time in, in Buffalo that has been down in Tampa Bay for now the last six months. And he's like, Hey, Marty, do you remember me? I'm like, uh, yeah, you're my UPS guy. And he goes, yeah, I'm not doing that. I don't do that anymore. I I moved down here and, you know, doing stuff here. I'm like, this is such a small world, right. Yeah. In the whole, uh, in the grand scheme of things. So that was, uh, yeah, that was awesome. So ran into some a lot of people. Had a really tough flight, Duffer. Got to tell you, uh, we uh, took off from Buffalo yesterday, and the first thirty minutes of the flight was pretty uh, shaky. Um, some people said it felt like it was two hour long, but it was only like about twenty thirty minutes. But uh, then we smoothed it out, and I got to uh, you know got to make it down here, and it was fun.
2: Yeah, the only downside I could uh, punctuate last night with was. I didn't start watching the Amherst game till after midnight. So it was two (laughs) o'clock by the time it was done and it wasn't worth staying up for (laughs) because they uh, lost five, two to Syracuse. It was the third straight Amherst game against Syracuse where Rochester let a two nothing first period lead slip away. So that was unfortunate. Um, Levi was good for the most part. Um, Coach Appert didn't love the shorthanded goal that, uh, that he allowed. Um, But Honestly, the the most striking detail within the game was how relentless Syracuse is on back pressure through the neutral zone and at the top of the, you know, what would be the, you know, Amherst going into the offensive zone. So many plays got snuffed out just by that relentless nature of veteran players. And by the way, Alex Barry Boulay been on Tampa's roster all year, pretty much cleared waivers again immediately Ah. goes down and produces against the Amherst last How does like, Guy Clear's waiver and and, and how, Right, and his consistent production at the AHL level.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: ...is off the charts, and unfortunately, Rochester has felt the wrath of that a lot. Uh, Next up for the Americs is uh, the weekend set against the Senators in Belleville. Darren Dreger is coming up next as uh, we continue here on Sabres Live. Obviously, floodgates? This is the TANF deal. Open the floodgates, free trade deadline. We'll discuss next on Sabres Live. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Rolling right along here on a game day on Sabres Live. Are you excited to be back in the arena tonight, Marty? Emily Arena? Yeah.
3: I'm excited to be back in my old uh, backup goaltender location, I believe, because I think we're going to be at ice level to do the pregame, intermission, and postgame. And so, Emily Arena used to have a tunnel that was, well, a tunnel, like one of those players' tunnels behind the bench that was from the locker room to the bench. And then one year they decided, hey, This would be much more valuable if we put seats there and they blocked the tunnel and there were seats. And then the team has to go around to the corner exit and walk basically by the bar because Tampa had built this massive bar for fans down there and get out there. And then they realized later, you know what? This is dumb that we, the players, the teams had access to the bench and now they don't have access anymore. So they fixed that. They took those seats out but that bar area is still there, and it's a good location, and we're going to be there. So I'm I'm happy to be at ice level and really catch the action from right along the uh, you know the, the fans in the first couple rows. Today
2: is the end of the month, uh, even longer month than usual in February. It's the 29th, so you know what that means. <laughs> it's a leap year, and today only $29 tickets for March home games, excluding the ones on ni- the 9th and the 30th. Uh, visit Sabers.com/leapyear. To get yours now, while inventory lasts. Proud Canadian Darren Dreger from TSN joining us now. Hello, Johnny Canuck. How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, there was a reason to be wearing golf attire. It's a golf hat. Earlier this week, it was like 13 degrees Celsius here in Ontario. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Um, but now it's like, I woke up this morning, it's like minus 10. I don't know uh, what's going on. It's like an <laughs> apocalypse. It's like, what are we living in? What sort of world are we twisting through here? So anyway, I'm feeling... Yeah, we hit an
3: all-time high uh, on Tuesday, I believe it was, where it was 66 uh, Fahrenheit in Buffalo, which was the uh, highest it's ever been recorded for that day. And you're right, it's dropped probably down to the 20s. So um, no golf, although we'll be watching some of it on TV uh, you know, over the weekend. But uh, <laughs> nice. Greg's... Did you stay up late last night and, uh, you know, figure it out that Tanov was being traded? And, you know, when New Jersey was involved yeah. in the trade, the first thing, the thing I thought was, oh, well, maybe they're setting up a markstrom trade later because some team is retaining salary, maybe mm. it returning the favor later. But uh, how did that Tanov deal come about? And what's, uh, what's Calgary's plan in the next 48 hours? There are more, more trades to come?
4: Well, maybe not in the next 48 hours, but, you know, certainly we're now fully on the Hannafin watch, uh, and undoubtedly Noah Hannafin is going to be traded, um, but that one might come down to as late as March 8th, next Friday. You know, they certainly don't have enough on the table yet for Noah Hannafin to pull the trigger, and there are some out there pretty critical of Craig Conroy, and why didn't he wait longer, and hold out hope that you get a first-round draft pick. Um, he didn't have a first round draft pick for Chris Tannoff on the table. Uh, Dallas was definitely uh, the best package. I know that the Vancouver Canucks, believe it or not, were right there. The Edmonton Oilers were right there. Uh, so there were at least three, four teams that were pushing until the end. I think this is crafty work by an experienced general manager in Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars. Because when the dust all settles, he ends up with a coveted right shot defenseman, which makes that blue line formidable at 25% of the remaining salary on the books. I don't think that Dallas is going to do more, but they do have some flexibility. But it certainly juices the market a little bit. And those with available defense, and you know, I'm looking at... Philadelphia, clearly. Um, I'm looking at Arizona. I'm looking at Anaheim. I don't think they love the rate of return that the Calgary Flames got back for Chris Tanoff. They were hoping that, you know, either Tanoff or Hannafin would jumpstart the market, but that there would be a first-round draft pick included, and there just wasn't.
2: Well, what do you you forecast for a Hannafin deal? I, I mean, I think Hannafin's obviously, I shouldn't say it, in my opinion, yeah. Hannafin is far more valuable than Tanev. But I mm. may, do you see it that way when the trade? I happens? don't.
4: No, I don't. And 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 the only reason is, um, it's right shot versus left shot, and and you know teams this time of year are always looking for help on that right side, right? And but I say that, and I'm I'm not trying to you know besmirch the uh, playing ability of uh, Noah Hannafin. I mean, he's played his best hockey over his last 10, 15 games. Mm -hmm. What I'm reminded of, though, is that the class of 2024, the draft of 24 here coming up in June, isn't as deep as we've seen in recent years. So I I think that that also factors in. And if you're looking at the draft pick that the Calgary Flames, you know, get uh, from the Dallas Stars, second rounder okay where is it going to be and then if 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 Brad Treliving, the Toronto Maple Leafs had been willing to lob out his first round draft pick which he insinuated by the way but never offered on Chris Tanoff you know is there really a significant discrepancy between that Toronto pick and then the package that they got including a prospect defenseman who's supposed to be very good from the Dallas Stars so I look I don't I don't know what they're going to get for Noah Hanifan. What I know is they don't have anything close right now that will get them to move on him in the next 48 hours.
3: The Pittsburgh Penguins have won three in a row. They're 4-1-1 one, one in their last six. There's still a ways for them to say, hey, we're competing for a playoff spot, but uh, Jake yeah. Gensel kind of got back on the ice. Uh, is this just a let's show everybody what Gensel uh, you know how healthy he is. The fact that he's on the ice to trade him—is there more development uh, yeah. happening with Pittsburgh and Jake Gensel at this moment?
4: Yeah, I mean, at this moment, uh, no. But obviously, that's got to come to a head here in the very near future. And frankly, that's what teams that are looking for a high-level forward are waiting for. Is Jake Gensel actually in play, or isn't he? We need to know this. Because he's basically, basically top of the class. You know, I, I'm thinking yeah. of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, they very much want to add a forward who can play with Leon Dreisaitl. Well, of course, Jake Gensel would be on their list. But a source with the Oilers told me a short while ago, it feels like a pipe dream. They don't believe that that's actually what's, you know, going to be available. So they're not even considering Gensel at this stage until Kyle Dubas says, yeah, you know, we're interested in having a conversation. And I, I feel like that's an example of what a lot of teams are going through right now. I I still struggle wrapping my brain around it. I know that there's a salary cap and the Pittsburgh Penguins are no different than any other club. But Sidney Crosby isn't going anywhere. Malkin isn't going anywhere. You know, what do you do with Eric Carlson? You've got Chris Letang. I mean, you know, if if you're trying to get better through conventional means, of renovating or retooling that's hard to do with that group of future hall of famers so why wouldn't you make every effort to try and keep jake gensel in the fold as part of the transition moving forward so it's a curious one for sure
2: they will keep jake gensel because after tonight they'll be five points back of tampa with five games in hand yeah, that's all you need to know. They have the best winning percentage right now yeah. of non-playoff teams in the East. And Marty yeah. just laid out what they've done lately. So yeah. when Buffalo does them a favor and beats Tampa tonight and Pittsburgh <laughs> take, takes care of their business against Seattle. Yeah, I think there I, you that, go. my my belief is that Gensel will stay simply because of all the pieces that are currently there. Um, but most importantly, as we started, as you would expect, Aaron, the show talking about, you know, where does Buffalo how do they navigate towards the de- deadline here? Yeah. Um, does it become a deadline where other teams look at their expiring contracts and acquire players just yeah. for depth so the Sabres look different that way after the mm. deadline, or is there opportunity still to be bold and add for now and a Sabres push?
4: Well, I, I honestly, I think that that's what Kevin Adams would prefer. He'd prefer an opportunity to be more aggressive, to be bold, as you described, Duffer, and try and get some of the work done now, that doesn't become more urgent when you go into the off season. Um, look, I, 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 I don't believe that Noah Hannafin, uh wants to go to Buffalo. With all due respect, mm-hmm. um, and and if you're Buffalo, you're not giving up the the young assets required to to land Hannafin unless you've got reasonable assurance through Pat Brisson who represents Noah Hannafin that he's going to sign a contract extension, no matter what that looks like. And I think that that's also what's gumming up the waters here um, with, with Hannafin in general is that, yeah, there's teams that aren't, aren't afraid to to pay up, but what does that contract extension look like? Right? So is there another piece that motivates Kevin Adams and the Buffalo Sabres to give up some of the pieces that we've already talked about or and not identifying individually by name. But you know, when you look at some of their young players or prospects and I, I don't have an answer for that. But I do believe that that would be the preference from Kevin's perspective is to be as aggressive as he can be between now and next Friday.
3: So last year we talked to Kevin Adams and he was mentioning cap space being a way for him to maybe acquire something. Like yeah, right? we saw yeah. the, you know, the New Jersey devils basically got a fourth round pick for two and a half million dollars of cap space that they retained on yeah. the Chris deal. Um, be honest with you. a fourth round pick for two and a half million dollars. I feel like is almost nothing, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you're getting a fourth round pick, but is this a situation where Kevin Adams could use his cap space again? to try to get draft pick. I mean, people in Buffalo would be like, okay, enough of the draft picks. Could you use the cast base to go get a player and not say we're getting a draft pick, but we're getting a player and we're going to take some of the money and that, that you need somewhere else to be able to make it happen.
4: It's possible. It is. But the sense that I'm getting, and it's funny because I was working on that this morning, just because of the three way that involved Dallas, Calgary, and the New Jersey devils um you you might be surprised there's a lot more teams out there willing to broker as a third party and and yeah. to use their available cap space that surprises me a little bit to be fair and and what i was told by a couple of general managers is basically go on cap friendly or one of the sites look at the number of teams that have available cap space and those are the teams that are primarily willing to broker a trade and yeah. based on on what you're getting back what's the return so I would think that Kevin would be interested in that. That makes uh, a lot of sense. And then you look for, you know, some of the teams that, that need help in that regard. Go down the list, man. We don't know the, the long-term playability here of, of Mark Stone and the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, Kellen Kerman needs to find that out between now and next Friday. You know, if if Stone follows a path that he did the last couple of years, and he's out till the end of the regular season, all right, then probably Vegas doesn't need a third party. If they're unsure of that, then they've got to find a way to create cap space to get them the help that they need to try and successfully defend. So there are teams out there that most definitely would, would be in the market and could call Kevin Adams
2: senators continue to be the senators just when you think they turn a corner they lose a couple and uh maybe do so in incredibly difficult fashion sometimes from a goaltending standpoint where does that leave them as yeah. far as their future building and chick grin and anybody else that could be in play uh, yeah and, and lo- might we add since we spent a lot of time early in the year talking about it because of his suspension right it, shane pinto has been so good since yeah. returning for ottawa so yeah. feather in their cap for keeping him and believing mm-hmm. in him. Yeah. But they still got to figure something else out because yeah. I don't see them getting to the playoffs
4: here. No, I'm with you. Um, But I can, I I believe this. If, if Ottawa has Shane Pinto in their lineup game, one of the regular season, and he stays healthy, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah. I do. And I, that's probably overstating because how can one player mean that much? He's changed. You ask any team that plays against the Ottawa senators. Okay. The last few games haven't been great collectively, but they say it's a completely different look, a different complexion with him in the lineup than him out of the lineup for the first 40-plus games. Um, but that was the reality of their situation. I, I think Steve Stales, uh, not unlike Kevin Adams, is trying to be as aggressive as he can be. He's got the lines out there. He, he was trying to lure Chris Tanoff, and maybe he gets a shot at Tanoff as an unrestricted free agent. We'll see. Um, but that's the quality player that they're looking for. a an experienced guy, a high character guy. That's why they're calling on Boone Jenner. You know, I was told that they made a call on on Braden Shen in St. Louis, and that didn't go very well. Obviously, Doug Armstrong isn't looking at trading his captain, but that's the sort of thing that, that Louis and company are looking at.
2: But why would why would St. Louis be willing to trade their leading goal scorer in Vichnevich?
4: Yeah, and I'm not sure they are just yet. I okay. mean, he's He's on every trade bait graphic because it does seem like, you know, look, again, I, I remind us all that how many years back was it when the Winnipeg Jets landed Paul Stastny from the St. Louis Blues? Kind of out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. So it's it's possible. But St. Louis is right there in the playoff mix as well. Um, so if they're doing anything with those type of players, it's not going to be Shen. Could it be Butch Navage? Yeah. Again, the Oilers would love to have um, and there are lots of teams that would love to have it, but that feels like a deadline day deal, if at all.
3: Uh, Drags, quickly, um, you guys added UC Soros as number 50 on the 50 players on the TSN trade bait list. Is it because we talk about him all the time that you guys felt <laughs> the need to put Soros on that list? I mean, Nashville's yeah. in the playoff spot. Would they really be, and I keep saying that every year, would they yeah. really be trading Soros?
4: No um and and look I, so it's I the
3: sabers life influence that got Saros on the trade
4: bait yeah board. maybe i i mean i i i'm not distancing myself from that trade bait graphic <laughs> i'm not uh because i do contribute uh and and you know i'm asked about it every week before it gets posted i'll tell you this i was told uh by a team that inquired uh in uc Saros, i don't know how long ago not that long ago that the ask was a top young NHL player, a top prospect who's dabbled in the NHL, a first round pick, and something else. Well, you can imagine what you know, I, I don't blame Barry Trotz. I mean, when you're trading a goaltender of, of the ilk of, of your yeah. UC Saros, you got to shoot for the moon. But the team that called basically hung up and said, yeah, we're not doing that. So- well, sadly,
2: we have to do that to you right now, too, because we are uh, fresh out of time. Thank All you, Dregs. Right. Enjoy the weekend. My producer. fault! <laughs> All right. It's our collective fault. We're back after this. Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. 23 to go in the regular season. How many can the Sabres win at continues tonight in Tampa at Amelie Arena. Uh, Marty, the big story for you going into tonight is?
3: Um, Can they score? I mean, it's been the story. Like, I think UPL in that's going to do the job. Uh, He's been very consistent. Defensively, they've been pretty good. I know they gave up, what, 18 shots in the second period against Florida, but they've been really good defensively. Can they score? Can they score three or more? and get themselves in a better position. Two, they can still win two to one, but it's uh, a lot tougher.
2: Try to slow down the great Brandon Hagel, who has the second longest point streak in lightning history at 14 games. We've had a good run on the road here with our road crew experience last night, our recent weedy experience downtown at the downtown bazaar. You can check out that video on sabers.com and our social platforms as part of black history month. And of course, incredibly busy night in the NHL tonight, some key games to focus on the Islanders, Detroit, Minnesota, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and LA Vancouver is how they impact the race. Should I ask what color you're wearing when I show up to see you at Emily Arena tonight?
3: Uh, dark blue, white shirt, red tie. So dye. typical.
1: We'll see you at 6.30. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?